to Blockbusted, the movie review podcast where we too would probably blow our 100th anniversary celebration. I'm Centennial Mitch. And I am Millennial Max. And today we are looking at Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs and Wish. Happy 100th anniversary, Mitchell. Uh, well, I mean, not yet. We have a few episodes to go. We're about. No, I'm fairly sure this is episode um 100. I think we're actually just hitting episode 25 now, or it was the last episode we did. Yeah, it was the last episode. But this is we're skipping ahead to a hundred. You know how like they did like Windows 8, and then they did Windows 10. Like how they went from like iPhone 8 to iPhone X. <laughs> yeah, we're doing that. We're skipping from episode 25 episode 100 and you know why because it's 100 years of disney baby <laughs> anyway you get the point of that one it's public domain now I, it's really the last part i like the, the, the that's the part i like a lot but yeah guys disney did it they got through a hundred years of monopolizing, changing copyright law, unfortunately, that eventually they eventually had to succumb to the actual law on that one. Though, uh, yeah, they could only lobby the U.S. government so many times. Yeah, eventually the U.S. government said, mm, "Nah, China can have a crack at Mickey Mouse." But yeah, they've done it. They've they've gone. They've done a hundred years. Not many companies can say that. Uh, except Warner Brothers was saying that earlier. Last year, I think, or they're yeah, doing, the, it, they're doing uh, it now. Warner Brothers was saying a hundred years last year. Yeah, so I guess did was Disney lost a hundred years then last year? So is it a hundred and one years this year for Disney? Yeah, it is. Because Wish came out last year, not this yeah, year. Yeah, so Steamboat Willie came out a hundred years ago, which is like insane to think about. It is kind of crazy. Yeah. So is I was going to ask you this because obviously we're talking about Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, which is the first feature film, but it that Disney put out, but it wasn't. Uh, feature well feature film they put out and also feature animated film they put out it's both right yeah so obviously it's the but it's not they didn't release that 100 years ago that was released about 90 nope maybe even 80 something years ago 80 uh, 1937 i believe so. so quick maths so it'd be like 97 years ago nope no <laughs> like 87 years ago yeah <laughs> there we go so yeah obviously snow white didn't come out 100 years ago so I was going to ask what was a hundred years ago, and but you've already asked that. You answered that it was it was Steamboat Willie. So. Yeah, it was Steamboat Willie, and Steamboat Willie obviously being really really important in the history of animation as being the first uh, sound synchronized animation. Um, lots of people think it's the first animation that existed. It's not. There was flip much books. much more before that, and there was flip books, and there were flip books, and there were chatter puppets, and lots of other things that we've been doing for hundreds and hundreds of years that you might call animation and uh more to the point animation was the first kind of filmmaking to be done because of how filmmaking works but uh steamboat really introduced the world to synchronize sound with animation um which had not been done before then and basically revolutionized the way that uh animation was viewed as a medium but also um catapulted disney into the absolute um media juggernaut that it is today for good for better or for good or worse i was gonna say for better or worse 
Mostly uh, worse, I think. Look, they've been doing pretty badly recently. Pretty badly? Pretty poor. They've been doing pretty poorly. Well, we're, we're going to talk about it, but they, they haven't really done a really good job with their 100th anniversary, I would say, uh, in a lot of ways. Um, Marvel is currently doing the worst it's ever done. Uh, Star Wars couldn't be more hated. If the, the and and the Star Wars fans are trying, by the way, they're really trying to hate it more, but they couldn't do it. Um, they're they're really trying to get people excited for Marvel again. This is Marvel again, but I'm going to talk about Fox because they they got Fox and now they're trying to get people excited about the the X Men. Uh, no one's excited. <laughs> Who would be? 2023 was the first year since I think 2012 that Disney hasn't had a movie makeover a billion. Isn't is that right? I don't know. I don't know this fact, and I don't know where you're no, getting it, wasn't, it from. It wasn't a billion. I'm gonna. It's. It's. I'm gonna sound smart when I say it. Yeah, I was right. It was 2023 is the first time since 2014. Sorry, that Disney um has failed to have a movie cross the one billion dollar mark. What movies came out in 2014? Into the Woods, which is garbage. Understandable why that didn't crack crack a billy. Big Hero Six, mediocre. Understandable why it didn't crack a billy. I, I like Big Hero Six. I it, thought it was fine. It is fine. It's perfectly fine. It's I I'm partial to the Schaefer Realist Productions point of view of it has a garbage twist villain and it kind of ruins the rest of the movie a little bit. Yeah, I can I can say that. Yeah. Uh Planes, Fire and Rescue, the lesser known not Pixar made spin-off of Cars. Muppets Most Wanted, which apparently it that one did poorly, right? Because Jason, I think so because the first one in that like reboot sort of thing was did quite well from memory. Yeah, and because what's his name, the Jason guy was part of it, and he's basically what drove a lot of the the heart and soul in that, and then he was not involved in the second one. I come Jason Siegel. Uh, yeah, because so I was going to say Jason Segal, which is a different guy, and I knew that was wrong. Yeah, so Jason Segal was not involved in Muppets Most Wanted. Instead, it looks like they had Ricky Gervais from the small picture I'm looking at right now, which not worth it. They had Alexander and the terribly hor- terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day, which I only know of this movie's existence because of your sister. Cause she wouldn't shut up about it. Yeah. <laughs> when it that, came out, she was sounds about right. very interested in it. I never saw it. So I don't know. If it's it was, it was a beloved children's book in our household. The movie was fine. Cool. And then they had probably one of the better live action re adaptations but that's not saying a lot for disney uh in maleficent i don't like it at all and i really don't like the sequel either but it wants to make me stab my eyes out less than the other ones so good job i think angelina jolie kind of saves it with her star power like a smidgen because she's a good actress and she's you know a superstar and She's fun to watch, and then the rest of the shorts. We have Lava, which is actually probably one of my favorite one of one of my favorite shorts. But a short's yeah, not going to crack. That's a not driving. It's not going to crack a Billy. It's not going to crack a Billy. Uh, we have Zapped, which is a um, Zendaya movie, and we have Toy Story. That time forgot, which I don't know that existed. Also, there's Feast, which is what looks like a really cute little bulldog trying to eat a chip. So anyway, bad year, um, and comparable to this year, last year apparently, twenty twenty three. Let's let's run through that real quick. They did the creator, apparently. Um, 
We liked it. Well, because they were they now in twenty twenty three own Fox it was and Searchlight, own Searchlight right? yeah. as a result. Yep, I didn't realize it was Searchlight. So they did the creator, which you and I liked a lot, and I think it actually. If any of looking at this list, if any movie deserved the crack of Billy, it was that one. Um, yeah, I think like I I think in the review we talked about it just being um, just missing that like last little bit to push it over the edge. Yeah, of being like like really really good, but I I think it's I think it's a movie that deserved to see a billion dollars. I think it's a good enough blockbuster that people could have gone and seen, like enough people could have gone and seen and enjoyed it. I I don't even though it wasn't the maybe as good a standard as we saw its potential to be. I think we both liked it enough, and I think both of us would have been perfectly fine with more people seeing it. Um, no One Will Save You, which is a movie that went straight to Disney Plus, so that made no money, and that's a very fun alien invasion film where there is no dialogue spoken uh it's really quite it's really quite good i recommend it uh guys of the galaxy volume three is probably the one that should have cracked a billy but didn't uh because marvel is in a plummet indiana jones and the dial of destiny indiana jones has been a dead franchise before crystal skull came out so rough theater camp theater camp was fun but it wasn't going to be a not going to do it no blockbuster and so then the other two that I'm sure they would have been banking on would have been Elemental, which you and I did not review on this podcast, but we both watched it together. I think you gave it a two and a half and I gave it a three. Yeah, it was probably yeah. the, my least favorite Pixar film that I've seen. It's not Pixar. Is it not? I thought it was. I'm pretty sure Elemental's not Pixar. I'm fairly Ooh. sure Elemental is Pixar. I thought Elemental was just... No, maybe it is Pixar. I'm thinking that I, before looking it up, I think it is Pixar. I think you actually are right. Yeah, it is Pixar. It, it is, is Pixar. Pixar. Okay. Yeah, you were right. I beg your pardon. And then the other one was The Little Mermaid, which apparently did not crack. But that one was kind of hit hit with a lot of controversy because of bullshit reasons and not the real reason that they shouldn't just be remaking these stop, movies. Stop remaking animated yeah. features into live action features. Yeah. But everyone got angry about the other problem. Not that was not not other problems. Sorry. They, but they got angry with the other thing that they thought was a problem, which was that they cast Ariel as a black woman. That that was the real issue with that movie, right? That was the real issue, not the corporate sludge that Disney was trying to force down our throats and say, remember your childhood? You want to make us money, don't you? Mmm, eat it up. And then, of course, we have Wish releasing on Boxing Day. Oh, which hilariously is not on this list, actually. <laughs> um, which we'll talk about. Uh, in the podcast later and um unfortunately also poor things um was a searchlight production um, oh yeah mm-hmm. but i think it that again, would it never have out, cracked a billion it was never going to crack a billion even if it did it was too late in the year to be able to do it yeah but that said should we go talk about a movie that i don't believe did crack a billy but potentially revolutionized the animation industry forever it made 418 million dollars Adjusted for inflation, a billy, <laughs> <laughs> almost right, two billy. Made a billy. It made a billy. <laughs> Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, uh, directed by about six different guys, uh, and released in 1937. It stars Adriana Casalotti, Lucille Laverne, Ray, Roy, Ray, Roy Atwell, Eddie Collins, and Pinto Colvig. Max, what is Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs about? Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs uh, is the classic fairy tale as we know it today. Um, one that was 
originally much uh, more gruesome and readapted for the public um, by the team at Disney and uh, turned into the first big Hollywood feature animated film, which is what we have here today. Yay. If you want to be more specific, it's about an evil queen who poisons her stepdaughter to be the hottest. Be hotter. Will be the hottest. She can't get hotter, but she can get rid of the competition. Yeah. Uh, so Snowmore and the Seven Dwarfs. I was not really a Disney kid when I was growing up. I saw Pixar movies because those were more on my speed of what I was looking for in a film. Speed. I am speed. Ich bin Geschwindigkeit. That's I am speed in German, unless I've been lied to by a lot of different things. So if you speak German, we have some people in Germany who listen to our podcast, it turns out. So Germans, write in. What is the actual term? What do they say in the movie? Like in German, do they say ich bin Geschwindigkeit or do they say something else? Am I just making a mess of that word? Is that the correct thing? But I'm saying it wrong. Write in. Let us know. But I was not a big Disney guy growing up i was a bit of a pixar guy but i not until basically last year had i seen tarzan uh, i watched hercules for the first time a couple of years ago I am on my way. I can go the distance. and a couple of years ago being like in my 20s uh, still what else I, I yeah i hadn't really seen i don't think i've seen any of like the princess movies except for uh, a Little Mermaid. Wandering free, wish I could be part of that world. I absolutely ate up Lion King. But everyone ate up Lion King. That's like the Disney movie, right? At least for this generation, surely. Like, I'd say it's probably the most popular one. I, I don't think I could point at any other one and say that did better than anything else. But I, yeah, I haven't, I, the only Pinocchio I've seen when you wish upon a star. is the Guillermo del Toro one. There, uh, what else? What else have they done? Dumber. But I'll be done seeing about everything when I see an elephant fly. Oh, I watched Dumber, but that scared the shit out of me because it was sad and. <laughs> So I didn't watch it many times, but I watched it at least once. I think the racist crows also scared me, but not because it was racist, just because they were laughing a lot. And that spooked me. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I didn't watch a lot of Disney. So I hadn't seen Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs until now, basically. This is the first time I've ever seen it. And Max, how about you? What's your like relationship to Disney? I, and- yeah, so I I didn't grow up in like a Disney household, but I grew up in a household that like had experience I had the Disney experience. That, that's not that's not right. But um, no, I did watch Disney movies growing up. Um, I have a younger sister, and um, she would compulsively watch movies, and some of these were in that rotation. So I'm familiar with. I don't want to say all because my memory is like a little bit foggy on some of them, but at least most of um, the princess films, again. Grew up on Pixar, um, things like The Lion King, and then uh, obviously been more involved, more involved, I guess, um, since the acquisitions of things like Marvel and Star Wars and um, Fox, just by virtue of the fact that uh, they're becoming a 
monopoly in in the media industry. But uh, no, this wasn't the first time I'd seen Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. I think the first time I saw Snow White and the Seven Dwarves um, was actually on thirty eight mil in uh, at Acme. Um, they do screenings uh, normally about once a year. I think um, you can go and check out a whole variety of different classic films that they do in their cinema. And yeah, this was one that I got to see there, which is great because this was obviously originally filmed on film cameras, taking uh, photos of uh, individual cells on backgrounds um, in these really elaborate rigs um, and weren't like digital productions that we see now. So I guess like my experience with it is, is one of nostalgia um, as a result and and I think this will play into what we have to say about it as well. But every time I see this movie, I am consistently amazed with the level of technical expertise that this movie accomplishes and the people working on this movie had accomplished at a period where animation was not respected as a filmmaking form. Hmm. And this film had to establish itself as a good enough film to allow Disney primarily, but studios in Hollywood and in the States um, to be able to produce animated films. Um, And it did all that. And to me, and to this day, I think that's really fantastic. And I think the film does reflect the virtues of that. How about you? I have a lot of respect for this movie for all the reasons you just mentioned. The, uh, I I really respect what it did for animation. I respect, uh, as you mentioned, it's it bringing legitimacy to the animation uh, medium. And I, 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 I respect everything that went into it. Uh, I understand animation nowadays is garbagely hard and annoying and frustrating. And I, I can't imagine it would have been easier. If anything, I assume it was a much harder practice back in the day with, without the help of, uh, you know, being able to do stuff on a computer and, you know, having to actually draw everything exactly the same and keeping the same sizes and all that, you know, it's, it's a drawing in general is something that I am incapable of doing. And so maybe managing to draw, uh, 24 different frames to make just one second and then doing that a bunch, a bajillion times to make a minute and then doing another bajillion times to make a full movie is really impressive to me. Uh, that said, this movie is doo-doo. Uh, it, it, is, it is doo-doo. Uh, it, 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 is, it looks really nice. I would say that its animation style, the art style really holds up and it's a, it shows why Disney stuck to this style to this day and refuses to move on and won't <laughs> grow up with the times. But for this, this animation style, this art style even is just beautiful. But story-wise, it is doo-doo. And what actually happens on screen and what I'm watching is very boring. And I was not having a good time watching this movie. I, I was very bored and it took a lot of effort to not without my phone and get on that and just look at TikToks. So I'm a bit torn because on the one hand, as mentioned, I have a lot of respect for it. But on the other hand, it, I just find this a really dull film. and. Before a lot of people come at me and say it's old, you know, and you have to respect it, it's old. It's like I respect a lot of movies that came out 
in the 1930s. I actually respect a lot of movies that came out a little bit before then, and I enjoyed them, and a lot of movies that came afterwards as well. I don't think this movie's storytelling holds up to today's standards, but as mentioned, but yeah, but you have a different take on this. You disagree. Yeah, I think for me, I don't think the story is its strongest part. Um, And Mm. there uh, is like, there's no doubt that there are movies from this period that have stronger plots, stronger narratives than um, this movie does. But I think what this movie achieves on a technical level, as well as the fact that um, you have accounts of um, the way people discuss this film after seeing it um, being one of the first reimaginings of these classic fairy tales um, to be more uplifting and I guess good guy wins, bad guy loses um, than people had been experienced, had been exposed to before. Um, and a lot of the problem that we have looking at from a, from the perspective of now is that it has become the norm to have stories like this. And as a mm. result, the story seems bland. Um, and I won't deny that. I think like watching this film today, the story is not um, its strongest part, but I, I, do not think that that um, minimizes the um, the technical achievements of this film, as well as like just the fact that the music I think is great, um, the art style is fantastic, the execution is a exemplar of its time, and I think altogether as a filmic product, it is still a really strong product. Um, despite having a weaker story now. I think our reactions to this movie and our ability to look past certain things or or not in my case kind of actually speaks a lot to what you and I find reverence in film. Because I, I think with definitely with you, at least when it comes to a an animation thing, and I think this even because this this can be traced back to even like what where we have studied slash are studying is animation to you is is like what you're I I'm not I don't want to put words in your mouth, but so I'm gonna say a bunch of stuff and feel free to correct me. Uh but I feel like that's like it's you find a lot of just enjoyment in seeing animation in in motion and you find just the fact that this exists and all that is is incredible and amazing and all that. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I mean I I don't know if I'd say like just because it exists, but Oh, but like um, just but like, yeah, yeah, sorry. The, the, yeah. the the um like like animation itself is is a uh, um like visual filmmaking as a whole, not just animation, yeah. is uh something that like, I would consider really important for a good film to um have to execute well for for a minimum to keep me interested, um, but um, to also be considered a, a, a good film. If you have a film with, I think I know where you're going with this, but if you have a film with great <laughs> narrative, um, but it looks um, average or worse, I, I would tend to lose interest um, much more quickly than um, perhaps the other way around. Yeah, because that's that's exactly where I'm going with this. I think I have more of an interest in the story that a film tells, and and as mentioned, I think this comes down to even like how you and I've studied the craft of storytelling. You've you've studied a very visual 
well, an animation, you've studied an animation degree and I've gone into writing, mm. which is, it basically just sums both of us up pretty, pretty easily. I reckon, I think for me, and I know that I've come, I've come through and I've said, uh, a character study isn't something that I find enjoyable. It's because what I find awesome is the marriage of character and circumstance. And then what I love about film is what you can do with that and how you can play around with it. And I feel, and I feel I connect most the best with a film in its storytelling, even though I also love, I can get this from a book or incapable of thinking. So I think the issue here is while you are able to really appreciate the visual aspect of this film and you're really able to see the animation, me on the other hand, I'm watching this, I'm going, I'm watching seven dudes fuck around for 70 minutes and then the other 10 to 15 is where the story is. And I, when the story was happening, I would, I'd be hesitant to say that I was ultra engaged, but I was definitely not like thinking where the hell's my phone. I was kind of like, mm. here we go. Here's some plot. I'm enjoying this. I'm liking where this is going. The performances are really good. So cause that's, I, I don't want to d- diminish that. I think the performances, even, even, even with the seven dwarfs when they're just messing around for the, however long they do, it's good. It's, it's really, it's really good. I just think I require a little bit more than good animation and technical achievement to get me through a film. It's the reason why I really do not like Avatar, the first one, because I really think I appreciate what uh, James Cameron did for 3D at the time. I was unfortunately a bit too young to see it in 3D at a cinema. So I missed out on that, but I can, I would have heard it was brilliant, but even watching it now, I can appreciate the strides he took in CGI and visual effects. I think it's a garbage, boring film though, and I would refuse to watch it. However, the second one, I think does a lot better job of marrying character into the world and putting a story forward that's not just Pocahontas. Can you sing with all the voices of the mountain? Can you paint with all the colors of the wind? And so therefore, I think the second one's a much a greater film because of it. It's, and I can point out many other instances of the exact same thing happening over and over again. And I think it's this marriage of story and character and the visuals that I find. And I just, there's a lack of story in this that I find frustrating and a bit boring. Is I have a question for you, which is, I know, I know we've talked about this a few times now, but sure. um, <laughs> this, this movie is effectively a musical as well um um, as a result a lot of like the plot points are taken up by these extended pieces about the dwarves like washing their faces or whatever step up to the top hey no disgrace just pull up your sleeves and get them in place then scoop up the water and rub it on your face and go And I just sort of like wanted to get your thoughts on as someone who like didn't grow up um, listening to this sort of stuff, because I'm, I Mm. grew up listening to. um, You know, like all that sort of stuff. Um, But you're not in that same boat and not someone who's 
particularly partial to the musical <laughs> genre. Um, yeah, a, a, as that sort of like stagnates a lot of the plot, I, I just sort mm. of wanted to get your thoughts on that. I think it's definitely rough. I think the biggest issue I have with the singing in this is not so much that it's actually occurring, is that I had a really hard time hearing what they were saying. And I, I think that comes down to just technical limitation at the time. And maybe even the TV was turned down a little too low, but I, I, I don't, I don't think it really was the singing that did for me. I think it was the part, the, the part that really got me thinking, is this the whole movie is when she's got to the uh, house and she cleans it. And, and that was fine. That was, it was extended, but I was like, this is fine. This is kind of cute. We're seeing all the, um, animals get together and i guess it's kind of a an exhibition of the different ability the different abilities and like showing the different types of animation and how different textiles and different materials can work against each other and that was that was interesting but what got me was after that when the dwarfs get home and it's at least 20 minutes of them eventually climbing a door uh, not a door a, a, a set of stairs and then opening it and then running outside and then coming back in. That's what got me where I was like, I need this to become more important to the plot. Like I just, I can, I know where this is going. Mm. I know. And I think, cause the thing I had was I knew the story of Snow White before going in because everyone does. It's a famous fairy tale. And so I was curious when we hit the point that she was already in the woods at like the 10 minute mark. I went, this movie is about 80 to 90 minutes. What's the rest of this movie filled with? Cause we've just hit almost every single plot point in the first act of maybe even the first and like a bit of the second act in the first 10 minutes. What is the rest of this movie about? It's about just the dwarfs just doing <laughs> silly, goofy things. And I can respect a silly, goofy guy. Like I, 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 I love the Robert Patterson. He's been silly, goofy. Um, I'll watch you grind in anything. He's doing silly, goofy shit, but it's just, when it's all silly goofy guy and there's no nothing else to balance it out, I was having just a hard time sticking to it. I also was a little creeped out by the rotoscoping. It just <laughs> it kind of creeped me out a little bit. Uh, that's not really the movie's fault either. That's just I think a preference and style from me. But it didn't help that every single human character in this, with all four of them, uh, mm-hmm. just kind of gave me the heebie-jeebies of submission. <laughs> Yeah, I mean it's it's not a style that's used anymore. Um, but yeah, very big at the time. Um, mm. Made it much easier to animate people as well. Oh, I know why they did it, and I can totally respect them for doing it. And I assume if I was in their position, I would have done the exact same thing because yeah. I know it would be ass to try and animate that shit without reference or anything. Especially mm. like as mentioned before, trying to keep the exact same size of everything and you know, having someone there to be able to just draw over much easier mm. still freaked me out a little bit. Still yeah, creepy. It, it, it does come across a little creepy. And there are a couple of moments as well for me where you kind of see shots of their eyes and they just like don't blink. And it's like, oh, that's a bit strange. Yeah. Um, and again, like it's just something that the industry was not aware of. This like it, it's re- it was it was a new idea that this like whole film was this new idea like in, mm. in quotations like and as a result we don't get that sort of almost quality of life things that we get now um but yeah <laughs> yeah and, and and as a result you kind of get those a little bit like um this feels a little bit uncanny valley 
but yeah, I mean, again, this movie is from the 1930s. It's um, that some of that is to be expected. Yeah, and even excuse, like I don't think mm. I'm holding that against the movie when it comes to how I'm judging it. Mm. I think it's other points that I'm finding. I finding I feel I can hold to the film and say this has not stood the test of time. Yeah, I, yeah. It, it, I think a lot of it relies on like sort of almost vaudevillian humor as well. Um, what do you mean by that exactly? So uh, the style of the dwarves is very slapstick and very yes. um, one dimensional, and like it, it, it's really like no secret uh, of that because each of the dwarves is named after one characteristic. Um, <laughs> yeah, and their one characteristic is what they are like. Um, and it's a little bit like silly from a from our perspective now where we sort of expect even comedic relief characters to be um more fleshed out than that but yeah um coming from a like vaudeville is a stage performance style um that was um almost like clownish um but also um often was like mixed media it um was a lot of slapstick humor and a lot of um like spoken gag humor and mm. a lot of that sort of style reflects back in on um the seven dwarves um especially given that a lot of animation came out of that industry as well um you have uh i'm blanking on names but um some very significant crossover between vaudeville and animation um as like like kind of like looney tunes kind of like um, like, uh, even earlier than that, um, oh, like, like what's, what's um, like the something melodies, the, um, um, early, even earlier than that, oh, um, you, you, you're the, you're the animation guy. I'm trying um, my hardest yeah, here. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm trying to remember the name of it. Um, it, uh, but it was a, um, a guy who would play off a, um, projected animation, silent animation, and he would do a live performance while, um, backed up with, a um, animated dinosaur. Um, oh, cool. And um, a lot of like this sort of like built off each other. And a lot of that reason animation is the way, even today, it, the way it is today, is because of this um, like stage show industry. And I think, yeah, you see a lot of that in the dwarves. And it's not really a sensibility of humor that we still, I guess, would preference. Um, you kind of get a little bit of like a three stooges kind of vibe to yeah. them, but like the hitting like, each other in the back of the head, like yeah, dunking each other the, in like, water. Yeah. The really, really, really slapstick nature of it and the, and the really flat one dimensional nature of them as well. And, um, obviously the time that we're like, the fact that we're spending so long with these characters is because they're all like unique characters that all have yeah. a different, aspect to them and we want to showcase all of that and showcase how they all (laughs) look different um and walk different and act different um which like from a technical perspective great from a perspective of someone who enjoyed that sensibility of humor at the time great um for us now perhaps not so much um Mm. purely because sensibilities change and tastes change um in the same way that like it's a bit weird that um the prince kisses the dead body of snow white 
You know what's even weirder is when she's singing and he hops a fence and just pops up behind her and starts singing at her. Dude. All right. All right. Look, look, if I'm if I'm hanging my washing or, you know, doing whatever and I was, I don't know, as I'm wont to do, singing Smash Mouth, you know, you're going, hey, now I'm a rock star. Put your game on. Go play. I get the words wrong sometimes as well when I'm singing to myself. That's why I got the word wrong there. Uh, so I'm just going to sing to myself and then some hot chick jumps the, my fence and starts singing behind me without me even knowing she's there. And she goes, Hey, now you're an all-star, get your game on, go play. And I'd be like, fuck off. What are you doing in my backyard? Get, get away from me. I would run into my house just like, uh, Snow White does. However, I would not be coaxed out by her singing the rest of that song or like swooning behind the curtains it it would be beep 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 hello a young woman is off her meds and is in my backyard singing smash mouth can you please get the police shit she might be at the door i forgot to lock it and then they don't hear anything else because then she murdered me because she was off her meds so point is weird (laughs) you know you know (laughs) You know how everyone's getting really pissed off at um, Rachel Zegler because she's the next. Uh, they're doing Snow White as a, re- mm. a remake, yeah, and she's the next the Snow White. And once again, yeah. everyone's angry that she's not white, which is not the yeah. issue with this remake. Once again, uh, but she she did say some stuff where she was talking about the original, the original movie, and she's like, "It's not going to be about love and stuff like that," which is like, whatever, I don't care. Uh, who, who gives a shit? Uh, but then she went on to go and say. Oh, and she's not going to fall in love with a stalker prince. You know, have you seen that movie? Weird, weird. Um, There is a big focus on her love story um, with a guy who literally stalks her. Yeah. (laughs) Weird, weird. You know, have you seen that clip? No, I I haven't seen that clip. It went around the internet a lot. I'm sure you could splice it in and a lot of other people who are listening might have like a ding moment or whatever. Point is, it is weird. It it is. She was right. Why is everyone angry at her? She's right. I don't understand. It's a weird romance. This they they meet twice, and one time she's dead. Like, like one time she's dead, and she's kept in a glass coffin because. And the movie says this: the dwarves found her too beautiful to she bury. She was too hot to bury, so they luckily kept her in a what's the word? A sealed sealed glass. It's like a psycho not psychosomatic. That's a stupid word. That's not the word at all. Uh. It's like when like it's sealed properly, like really, like there's no air in there, oh, basically. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, now you've got, I, now it's on the tongue. I fucked you because I said psychosomatically, and it's close to that word, but it's not psychosomatically. It's, um, he, it's like hema or... Um, uh, anyway, point is, I assume it's sealed like that because she didn't decompose, but also maybe since she wasn't dead, she wouldn't be decomposing anyway. Uh, and then it sparked a discussion on whether or not if they had sealed her in like that, would she live? But then I said, she's not eating either. So I feel like she would have lived. And we kind of agreed that that was enough. Her- yep. Hermetically. Hermetically. Sealed. There we go. Hermetically yep. sealed. <laughs> hermetically sealed. Psychosomatically. Hermetically. Look, there's an iggly at the end. <laughs> anyway, point is, yeah, the dwarves were like, mm, too hot to bury. We need to keep her out so we can keep putting flowers on her. And then the, the chief, chief, big chief rocked up and he went, Give me, give me that. <laughs> Shorty got that. Yeah. 
and then they lived happily ever after. Also, the witch just kind of fell off a cliff. And yeah, she dies. She, she just dies. <laughs> Dude, that was probably the funniest part of the whole movie was she was like, I'm going to get the dwarves. And then she slipped and the rock fell backwards and <laughs> hit her. And then the vultures, which I'm sure vultures don't hang out in forests, by the way. I think they're like a desert creature. I'm um, fairly sure they're native to Africa, actually. So the desert. Or, That's a oh, no, wait, they, I think they have them in Central America as well. Do they? That's also Not Central a jungle. Like Central, Central North America. Like the oh, desert. So like USA. So the desert yeah. again. So my, my point stands. <laughs> anyway, I don't think vultures are in a forest, but I could be proven wrong. I'm open to be proven wrong, proven wrong oh, on that okay. one. And never, never mind. They're just native to everywhere except Australia. Europe, Africa, and Asia. Okay, well, in Russia, in Europe, there would be uh, forests. So, okay, I take that back. Maybe there are vultures in the forest. Uh, point is, they didn't get a snack. Which also, would she taste different because she was under, like, the... Like, say... Say I died, Max. Um, mm-hmm. I died trying to give you an apple that was poison, and I did the whole shebang where I got a, a hag's cackle to change my voice, and apparently it was too much effort to change her drip, so she used a magic potion to change her drip because part of the potion is designed to hide her clothes. Yeah. Um, you can go back and watch that, by the way. She does say that one part of the potion is to like hide no, her I clothes know. and shit. Yeah, no, I'm telling the listeners who may not believe me when I'm saying that. To shroud my clothes, the black of night. Anyway, point is, I, I rock up. Uh, I, I give you said apple. You sleep because I must. I must have mucked up my potion. I was trying to kill you. Sorry, Max. It's just you're so hot, yeah. and I want to be hotter. I want to be the hottest around. So you know. Anyway, so I give you the potion. You fall asleep. Your your housemate and Mister Manager chase me up a cliff. I try and roll a point. Fast forward through this whole thing. You know. You know what happens next. I get squished and I fall off a cliff. Yeah. Well, you get fall off Do- the cliff, and then you get squished. It doesn't matter which way. Actually, no, in my one, I get squished and then the boulder keeps rolling and I'm squished on the boulder and the boulder falls off the cliff. <laughs> anyway, point is the vultures eat me because they're there, even though they're not here in Australia. But I, I got some in. I, I brought them in for dramatic effect. For dramatic effect, yeah. Do I taste different than if I hadn't been changed? I mean, what was in the potion, right? Like a hag's cackle. A hag's cackle. The uh, winding to mix it. Uh, would I have like a zesty flavor then? Because like lightning. I assume lightning gives off like a lemony zesty vibe. I think I think it was just like to like fry it up or whatever. Maybe a bit spicy then. Like kind of Maybe. like a spicy vibe. Kind I reckon like a- it'd mostly just be like if you look, in like, if you look like an old hag. Would I you taste probably like taste like an old hag. So you reckon it was a change that went through the whole body? It wasn't just a like a visual one. Well, like she like touched her and stuff. So like I feel like if it would have like the mm. spell would have broken if like it was just like a visual thing. That I is true. She like temporarily metamorphoses the Kafka's metamorphosis. Me- Kafka's metamorphosis. I turn into a hag. Um, <laughs> No, the real yeah. question is, why did the vultures go to eat her straight away when vultures don't do that? Vultures have been known to kill, like, kind of drop rocks on things that are dying to then yeah, eat them. Yeah, but, but they don't typically eat, like, freshly dead creatures because they're 
at risk of getting attacked by larger prey. Oh, that's true. Maybe they know there's no other larger prey in that area. I like, mean, there was an abundance of small woodland creatures, and yeah, a there's too large many. There's yeah, I think there's no large predator out there. I think, I think the huntsman has done his job. The woodsman, sorry, he's not a huntsman. Is he a huntsman or a woodsman? I'm going to check IMDb. The guy who, well, he it killed says a pig. It says huntsman. Uh, he's done too good a job. He's he's killed off and and a bunch of like the predators in the. Uh, in the forest, and now he's yeah. disrupted the ecosystem. He's no wonder why the animals are so intelligent. They've had time to read instead of run away from bears. But yeah, look, I'm in. I'm in two minds of this movie because I actually really, really do respect it so much. I, I, re- I really do, and I don't want people to think I don't. I just because the way I kind of see it is, I watch movies for a story to be told and I watch it for like a mixture of characters and story, which is why I have an issue when a a movie focuses a little too much on character or a little bit too much on plot. I need, I love the mix. That's why I'm, that's what I'm looking for when it comes to a film. To mix it well. I need that lightning and I need also to you to hide my, I need to hide my drip because it's so iconic. Uh, So I, I really do appreciate, but it's just, it's, there's other, there's other movies that came out in this, in this area that also gave give off those what I'm looking for in a story, and I just feel like I don't know, I don't because I, I I I do understand that what they were focusing on wasn't the story at all. They were definitely just focusing on check out this cool shit that we can do with animation. You guys should do it too. Hey, respect us. We deserve respect. So when it comes to like coming up with what I actually rate this movie, I don't really know. Um. Well, do you want to give your rating and I'll I'll think about it. Unless you have something more you want to say. <laughs> I can no, I can give my rating. I just yeah, I think like touching on that and I, and I agree. I th- I think um in terms of the plot department it does fall short, but I really I really do think a lot of that um is also due to just the change in taste over time. Mm. Um and like the idea that this was not it wasn't targeted at children, but it wasn't it was a uh, like almost all ages sort of thing. I'm not going to say family because I think that gives the wrong impression, but <laughs> it was, it was, it wasn't targeted to be a children's movie, but it wasn't targeted to be a dark drama either. No. Um, and as a result, I, I think some of the, the tastes have changed. Um, and w- yeah, especially in terms of like what's appropriate for people to do. Um, mm. So I'm going to give Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs uh, three dwarfs that had less than a minute of screen time and Sneezy, which is not a personality trait, or three and a half out of five. I was actually going to say that. How do you base a personality around sneezing? Like, that's not a personality trait because he's kind of like a bit sleepy as well because he's always sneezing, but there's already a guy called Sleepy. So it's like, I guess he kind of had to obtain allergies so that he could get his own personality. <laughs> Look, you can't have like Sleepy and, and his like brother um, mildly fatigued, <laughs> depressed. What, what was depression? I guess I was angry. He's kind of depressed as no, well. No, I don't think he's depressed though. I think he's, he's just, just angry. Yeah, cynical's a better word than angry. Well, I mean, like if you got a dwarf, here's my here's my dwarves. Um, it's the his my dwarves depressed, uh, cynical, cynical. uh. Uh, uh, allergic 
optimistic uh mentally deficient (laughs) and he just never tried to speak and and the one who has a actual um degree doc doc i assume he has a degree Mining. mining he has a phd in geology geology yeah i I'm going to stick to my original score, which is not flattering, but I want there to be kind of like an addendum to this in that it's just because I really didn't actually enjoy watching this, but I do respect it. Um, I'm giving this two, which is the amount of minutes in which there's actually plot in this movie. But there's a, there's an asterisk next to that, and it, it gets the Mitchell, I respect this movie, even though I didn't enjoy it. Mitchell mark of respect. The Mitchell mark of respect as well. Uh, yeah, but yeah, it's it's it wasn't a fun thing to watch. It'd be like watching. It's like when you read um, War and Peace. You don't do it for fun. You do it because it's a classic. Uh, that can be. I'm gonna I'm gonna cut that out, and that's gonna be your like Mitchell's mark of respect, and it's gonna be you burping. Oh. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> oh, hi guys, it's me, Mickey. I'm here for to introduce Max and Mitch's mini media. <laughs> well, gosh, Max, do you have one to go for now? Yep, I do. Um, I can't remember how Pete sounds in Steamboat Willie, and we're not allowed to use any other Disney property because. It's not public domain. Um, I'm not. I'm not from Disney. I'm from Bibbidi. It's me, Monkey Miss. You're allowed to say Mickey Mouse. It's public domain. Oh, but does like the voice work? Can I do the voice? Does he talk um, in Steamboat Willie? He talks in Steamboat Willie. Yeah, so I'm Monkey Moose. <laughs> no, I've got a little, like, slightly connecting little. Uh, mini media this week uh, keeping in our theme of animated films like we have for the last week as well um, I revisited a uh, favourite of mine that I got to show uh, my partner um, which is uh, Wes Anderson's Isle of Dogs Mm. for those who haven't seen it or heard of it it's a stop motion animated feature by Will Will. Where's Anderson? By my best friend, Will. Shout out to Will. Shout out to Will. No, um, by Wes Anderson. It's his second uh, feature animated film after Fantastic Mr. Fox. It's got a stellar cast as Wes Anderson pictures always do. And it's just a really nice little story about a prefecture in Japan that decides that it hates dogs and they all should get sent to the island of trash and the adopted son of the mayor who goes to rescue his faithful companion. And it's sweet and funny and um, good. And it's got the um, same animated style as Fantastic Mr. Fox does, if you've seen that. Um, and in sort of like a almost jarring sort of stilted kind of way, but it feels very Wes Anderson. Um, and it does a little, an interesting job of blending that with some um, more traditional 2D techniques. And I had a really good time with it. Um, my partner had a really good time with it because she likes dogs. Mr. Manager was shaking their head. Does Mr. Manager not like dogs? 
Do you not like dogs? I like dogs. It's a strange comment. <laughs> not really. I think it's appropriate. Um, but I had a really good time. I think it's on Disney Plus. Um, Most of his work is because it was all searchlight. So now, yeah. It's, um, yeah. So if you got that and you got, uh, I think it was only like ninety minutes or so to check it out. Go for it. It's fun. I remember thinking it was fine, but I only watched it once, and I think I watched it on a phone as well. So maybe I should probably. Give it Why do you go. watch it on a phone? Don't watch movies on a phone. I think I was traveling. I didn't have a TV screen, or I didn't even have a laptop. I just had a phone. Shouldn't have like bought a cheap projector. Like one of those ones that are like the aesthetic. This is the way to live. Aesthetic. Yeah. You know, my sister yeah. lives like that. Yeah, I know. She's nuts. That's a garbage way to live. What if the light comes in? You can't see. I mean, you can't see on TVs anyway. You can't see on, but I, we, our, our TV is in the worst possible position. And we yeah, get is. the light streaks like eight hours out of a day. Um, so unless the sun is set, we can't actually use the TV properly. It, it kind of sucks. Um, it's it's a problem that I'm aware of and working on. <laughs> it's, it's me, Monkey Moose. And I, I'm gonna get my best friend Mitch to to say his thing or whatever it's called, mini media. Um, I watched Legally Blonde this past week. Nice. Um, I wanted to talk about a book I read, but I didn't finish it, so I can't talk about it. Uh, so instead, we're gonna talk about Legally Blonde. Um, it's good. It it's fun. I look. I am quite a fan of the rather rudely dubbed chick flick, uh, but I enjoy a good female film. Uh, I, I ten things I hate about you is good shit. Um, other movies, good as well. This one's pretty fun. I liked it. Name one more. Name one more movie, Mitchell. Notting Name Hill. No, I already did. I I did a rant on Notting Hill last time. Actually, I really like uh, Bridget Jones's Diary. See, the problem is that last time I talked about this, you weren't here. I was talking to Jazz about it. So you've missed out on this conversation. But I I like Bridget Bridget Jones's Diary. I like Four Weddings and a Funeral. Uh, Love Actually kind of stinks because it has the same issue that Magnolia has. Uh, which is very funny, by the way, that these two movies have similar problems. Uh, I'm running out of names. I think you're going to get cancelled for hating Magnolia there. I don't hate Magnolia, I just don't like Magnolia. There's a difference. I don't have enough passion towards it to hate it. I just don't think it's a good movie. Two very different things. Anyway, point is, this movie is fine and fun. Uh, It's a little bit homophobic, but it's kind of in that like 2000s and falls way because uh she figures out that a guy is gay because he recognizes that she's wearing uh last year's prada uh shoes which is very funny that like like in like a really sick way that's very funny that that's how like they decide to represent a, a whole sexuality uh also <laughs> i mean that's um, all of the time that's so of the time. No, no, I'm not, I mean, I'm, look, I'm really not going to hold the movie against it because it is like such a product of like when it was made. Uh, the other thing was I actually figured out how to win the case the exact same time she figured out how to win the case because uh, 
Scooby-Doo's own Linda Cardellini. Um, <laughs> Cause I'm sure that's what she wants to be remembered for. <laughs> um, she's, she says that she got a perm and then, she, but, but the reason why she didn't hear the gunshot that her stepmom did was because she was in the shower washing her hair. And I said, you can't, you can't do, get a perm and then wash your hair. Even I know that. Like, <laughs> and and then that was actually what won the case because she was like, anyone who gets a perm knows that you can't wash your hair because it, it gets rid of the curls and shit or whatever a perm is. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Point is, I too could be a hot blonde lawyer who knows fashion and, and hairstyles. And, and crime. And crime. Although to be fair, she's a lot smarter than I am. She understands the law and all that, and I do not. She's actually a very intelligent person, and I appreciated that uh, subversion of the b- blonde, blonde uh, character. I-, I liked how that she's actually intelligent. I was really worried it was going to be a movie about someone who's not smart enough to be in law, and therefore that's like they're trying, kind of trying to like finagle their way through. But what it's really about is about someone who, while is still intelligent uh is viewed on the outside as not being intelligent and is judged and that was that was appreciated i liked that because i was a bit I was, I was prepared to be irritated but i wasn't irritated and i liked the subversion no anyway, I nev- i've never seen the movie but i have seen the stage show um which is also stage very show? fun yeah this is musical my dude was it oh, that's why i haven't <laughs> seen it um no it's very fun though it's a fun it's a fun concept uh, Lily Blonde three is coming out. I think next this year or, <laughs> or something. Uh, number two came out, and I didn't even know that was a thing. I mean, I was four when I think the first one came out, so I, I was not on my radar at all. Um, I was too busy. What was on your radar when you were four? Lion King. And. And a Toy Story. You got a friend in me. And Winnie the Pooh. Winnie the Pooh. Winnie the Pooh. Cubby little cubby all stuffed with fluffies. Winnie the Pooh was one I forgot to mention before. Winnie the Pooh was sick, dude. Uh, Disney's Winnie the Pooh. The one with the red shirt. Not where he's just really raw dogging life as a naked person. Um. He got chilly. He's got chilly nips. We so had to put his, a shirt on. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Lily Blonde. I'm sure most of you have already seen it, but if you haven't and you enjoy a fun film with just that starts off nice, uh, does it start off nice? I don't know. Reese Witherspoon, I'm out. I'm kind of, I need to watch a bit more of her to see if I like her, but she was nice in this and I can see myself enjoying her other performances. But as mentioned, I don't have enough data, so I like I just don't know if I like her as an actress. Yeah, or not. you don't have enough data to watch it on your phone. Actually, I have a shit ton. Of, I got like a sixty gig plan. <laughs> I could I can stream for days. <laughs> also, our internet got fixed, so I don't need to use my data to stream. Max, jeez. <laughs> Back in nineteen forty three, we did. Our own version of Monkey Moose's uh, d- uh, radioactive re- vision, uh, d- William. It's like Steamboat Willie, but 
like radio it's a different form of propulsion right. i thought you were making a joke about the fact that disney did like wartime propaganda oh we did that too <laughs> <laughs> donald duck gave war bonds <laughs> I mean, Dinald Duck, Dick, Dinald Dick. It's it's um it's 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 New Zealand Donald Duck, Dinald Dick, Dinald Dick. Hello, it's um, me, Dinald Dick. One of one of the best pieces of propaganda animation I ever watched was a Japanese Mickey Mouse parody, um, which was a like pro Japanese World War Two, um, parody where like Mickey Mouse is flying like a bomber. It's That's awesome. So strange. That's pretty like, sick. wonderfully strange. I do you think <laughs> all right, say a war was to occur right now. I know we're supposed to be talking about wish right now, but um trust me, we're saving you a hassle. Um I so war starts, it's a big world war three, whatever. People are on one side, people are on the other. Disney's on one side because they're American. So they're with the American. Let's assume they're with the Americans. The other side, whoever they are, because I don't want to name names, they make a Disney ripoff. Do you reckon they're more scared of the war crimes they're committing or Disney coming to find them? Disney. Disney. Yeah. 100% Disney. Yeah, definitely Disney. Disney lobbied the government successfully twice to have the statute of, not statute of limitations, but the copyright law extended from... 54 years to 75 years to 100 years so that their property wouldn't be in public domain. And was it 90 years? Sorry, it was 90 years to 100 years. Um, it's 100 years. Oh, it's 90. Oh, it's, no, it's 90. It's 90 years. years, Rick and Morty. Wait, so does that mean that um, Steamboat Willie didn't come out 100 years ago? No, Steamboat Willie didn't come out 100 years ago, and I'm dumb. So what came out 100 yeah, years ago then? What's the, what, what are we celebrating 100th anniversary of? Alice's Day at Sea um, was the release on March the 1st, 1924. It was the first short produced by Walt Disney Studio and distributed by Winkler Pictures and the first appearance of Julius the Cat. I love that guy. Is it currently 95 years? Okay, the current statute is 95 years. Do you statute no, of limitations? Years. Yeah, it's not called the statute of limitations because the statute of limitations is a completely different thing. It's got to do yeah, with how long like, you can be held um, for a crime. So, so, um, when do we when do we actually get um, Steamboat Willie? This year, we got it. No, but like, when did it originally come out? So it was nineteen thirty seven. Uh nineteen twenty seven. 1928. Yay. So, 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 um, technically the first Mickey Mouse film wasn't, um, Steamboat Willie either. It was yeah. a, it was a short called Plain Crazy and that featured Minnie Mouse as well. Dude, Minnie Mouse was that there. early? I didn't realize. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, but she looks different. Let's talk about Wish. <laughs> <laughs> Wish. Released in 2023 and directed by Chris Buck and Fawn Versenthorn. Virasenthorn. Yep, that's the thing I get. Uh, it stars Ariana Debussy. It's not Debussy. It's De- Debussy, maybe. Um, Chris Pine, Alan Tudyk, Victor Garber. 
it's Ar- it's Ariana DeBose, isn't it? Bar- oh, like the like Debussy. Debussy. What? Yeah, Ariana DeBose. Yeah. Mm, I don't think so. I think it's Debussy. Uh, Chris Pine, Ellen Tudyk, Victor Gaba, and Angelique Cabral. Max. Yeah, she became famous from West Side Story. Ariana DeBose. I disagree. I looked at the Max, Wikipedia pronunciation. I don't care. Just say what happened in the movie. <laughs> Honestly, so much that did not make a lot of sense. A girl named... I've already Asha. forgotten her name. Asha. Asha. Oh, Asha. Asha, Asha. Asha. <laughs> um, lives in a town in the Mediterranean Sea. Um... I, and I, I like how you, I, I like how you kept that. I like how you kept that detail because you know it's going to come back later. <laughs> <laughs> she lives on a in a in a town, and the towns the city castle kingdom. That's the oh, roses. It's called roses, and the whole shtick is that the king is also a magical wizard who can keep your wish safe. But you, he's so it, cool, and your wish is like your dream. What, so cool. A wish that your heart, a dream wish that your heart makes. A dream is a wish your heart makes. Dream is a wish your heart makes. Yeah. Um, which but, I, my, I, apparently my heart wishes for me to get um, stabbed a lot because I dream a lot of really violent dreams. So, like, this wasn't as funny as I was hoping it would be. No, <laughs> this, not that's really. just sad. Anyway, they forget, they forget that. So, Mitch, now you've forgotten that because I've stolen it as the evil wizard king. No, I don't I'm wish not for evil. That. I'm not evil. Sorry. Yeah, I'm you're not evil. evil I'm not evil. You're so cool. I'm just misunderstood. You let me live here for free. <laughs> and other um, things. Um, and then she realizes that actually, like, keeping people's, like, reasons to live held in captive and not having them know what they are is kind of like messed up and then she wishes upon a star like in Pinocchio when you wish upon a star and then um and then I love the she, and the star comes to life and they help her beat the king who is now evil because yeah, he just he did that by the way he, he, he actually did just do that <laughs> Just then. He became um, evil just in case then. it wasn't clear, I'm not a fan of this story. Oh, um, neither the, of us are. On the way so, back from watching this movie, we we caught it in the city. We caught the movie in the city. And then we caught the tram back to where we live because we live nearby each other. It's cute. I spent the whole tram ride explaining to Mitch, beat by beat, how I would rewrite this story. And because honestly, there are so many points in this story <laughs> that do not pay off. It's ridiculous. It's crazy, especially with how much emphasis they're given. The fact that they don't pay off is weird. But I want to, I want before we forget, because we do this often, we'll, we'll mention something. We'll allude to some. We'll it's, it can't be called foreshadowing if we don't actually ever get back to it. Just much like wish. Um, so I want to do it right now. Why did they need to place it in the Mediterranean? <laughs> it didn't need to be there. <laughs> it's it's very strange. Like you, so so in classic Disney style, and you get this little like opening monologue about like how the kingdom was founded because the king was tortured. No, his village was destroyed, and he 
Like, his last kingdom was wrecked. His last like village was wrecked or whatever, and then he went magic so he could be safe because his wishes got destroyed. That bit's unclear. Um, I don't think like, there was wishes involved. I think that like, was your rewrite, wasn't but it? Like no, because like at no point do we like other than he's like, oh, people had their wishes like destroyed by the real world. Do we get a reason for him like wanting to keep everyone's wishes? <laughs> I don't think there is a real reason. Beyond There's no his, real reason that it, this happened. Beyond it just we is. need we need him to. So I guess look, it's just like the they, over, they the Mediterranean... explain it enough that you kind of like, oh, okay, wait, that doesn't but make why? sense. Why? Yeah, and like, so issue... it's not it's not ambiguous enough that you can kind of let it go, and it's yeah. not clear enough that it makes sense. So I think this is touching on the issue that you and I. I think this is what we stuck on the most because okay little backstory on how we watch movies and i think we might have talked about this a couple of times but it's important to mention it now when max and i see a movie together we generally try to talk the least amount about it before we come to this now basically now because we don't want to run out of things to say basically we want um the conversation to be not pre-rehearsed i think would you agree with all of that yeah. max yeah the thing that we 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 talked about this a lot, by the way, this movie a lot after we got out because we had a lot to say, and I think neither of us could really wait to for the recording to talk about it because we just needed to talk about it. It was it, there was a lot to talk about, and with the one thing I think we both really both stuck on was the characterization of Magnifico and was he deliberately evil or was he just seriously misguided because there is evidence for both and in making it so confusing and complicated you've created one of the shittest villains of all time because we don't know whether we're supposed to sympathize with him or not because in my opinion i don't know if you share this 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 part i'm not sure if you share this or not in my opinion for all intents and purposes everything he did up to a certain point he thought he was doing for the greater good then I think dark magic corrupted his brain. But therefore, I think because the the movie alludes to him having suffered some serious trauma and having gone through some like the it alludes to like what happened at the this uh, this pre Rose's kingdom he used to live at where he um he he brought back this sigil or this banner that's burnt and stuff so you can you can infer a bunch of information from that whatever you will so i think personally he's gone through some serious trauma and his use of stealing the wishes is a way to kind of control the citizens and keep them peaceful so at all intents and purposes what he's doing is what he thinks is the correct thing now he's not a good guy i would never claim that but he thinks he is the good guy and he thinks he's doing the right thing which therefore means that he's treated quite harshly. <laughs> but the other problem is, is that there's a lot of things he does that just are straight up evil, which mm. means my argument does kind of go out the window a bit, but I really think it's an issue in the characterization and not because it's so flip-flop in how it mm. works. And we that was what you and I both basically talked the most about. Yeah, absolutely. And it's... One of those things where you have a scene where you are obviously meant to sympathize with him, and then immediately after that, you have this have a scene of him being incredibly jealous um, for no apparent reason, um, or like even just the fact that there's no real like solid through line with how he behaves in any given scene. It 
it really feels a lot like, as you're saying, it it flips and flops from scene to scene, from um, troubled but caring um, king to um, like jealous autocrat to like someone who wishes well for all their citizens at the expense of themselves. And there's just a real lack of consistency. And then more on that, the problems that that raise, especially at the conclusion of the movie, just uh, ask some, or rather raise some uh, problematic questions. I know we talked about, or you raised um, when we were walking out, that if he is a uh, like victim of trauma um, and he, as a result, ended up in a set of circumstances where, yes, he did some like things that were evil, but perhaps due to the power of magical corruption, He's sort of just like treated really harshly, really bad at the end of the movie. He gets yeah. stuck inside the stuff and sent to the dungeon where it smells. I actually have a question, quick question. Is him being stuck in that like mirror thing meant to be a reference to the mirror that's in the wall uh, on the wall? Sorry. Is it, that's, that's the I th- same. I think that's, so. He's meant to be the mirror, right? I like, think, I think so. Which is like, kind of fucked that he turns into that weird drama slash tragedy slash comedy face face mask in snow white rather than it's messed up anyway it, it's sort please of continue, like, yeah. yeah there's sort of this implication that this movie is like a prequel to every disney movie ever but also like not at all i'm so, so glad you brought that up actually because i have here a list <laughs> a list of disney references <laughs> Are you ready for these references? That these are the these are the top forty references as conglomerated by Good Housekeeping magazine. Uh, that's, a, that's a lot of references. It's like they're yeah. one per like dwarf. Yeah, basically. So from obvious to obscure. So I'm just going to quickly say, according to the directors, there is somewhere between 100 and 150 allusions to other Disney work in this movie. So we're on, we're not even Why? hitting a third in this here, but here are forty Disney Easter eggs. Here we go. First of all, let's talk about Ash's friends. The first clue you might get that something is going. I'm reading this word for word, by the way. This is not me saying it. The first clue you might get that something is going is going is when you get to know Ash's seven best friends. Safi yeah, has and- allergies, and the first thing he does is get his germs all over a freshly baked pan of cookies. You might say he's sneezy. Yeah. And yeah, the seven friends, the seven like a bakery friends are the seven dwarves. And we have the, we have Doc who's like calm and rational and we have sneezy. Yeah, Dahlia is Ash's best friend and close confidant. She wears glasses just like Doc. That's basically the only like connection they have there. She wears red. Yeah, she wears red. Uh, Simon is sleepy. He's lethargic. Uh, how like, also it- then that that that's a whole other thing where like they sort of just like implied that he was like not like this and then we became need, like we need, that. We actually need to come back to Simon. Simon is something we need to come back. He's kind of on a similar vein as uh, Magnifico and how mm. a character like him has been treated. I I want to come back to him if we remember to. Um, Hal doesn't get much to do, but she seems upbeat about everything. She's pretty happy. Bazima is shy and talks in a timid voice all the time. You might call her bashful. 
Gabbar is like, quick to anger. It's it's like it's not at all weird, the same. Bashful, like bashful. In She's just an introvert. Like, Let her oh be my God, an introvert. I'm so like aggressively horny, and then he was dude. Bashful was so horny, like at everything that Snow White did. I mean, those dwarves were horny overall, but but like he, he was, was extra horny. horny. Yeah, uh, Gabbo is quick to anger. At one point, he even says, "I'm grumpy." Dario seems a and bit. He's also dim. like short. And I don't think it, so. He's like the most dwarf of all them. No, but all. like I think isn't grumpy like a little bit shorter than the rest of the dwarves. I don't know, dude. I didn't notice. Oh, okay. He might be. I I didn't notice that. If that's the case, there's also the guy with the beanie. I, am I? I think, yeah, Dario ahead? is dim, and he also wears a green tunic with a pebble hat, just like Dopey. Uh, in case you think this is a coincidence, all of their names start with the same letter as their corresponding dwarves as well. All right, they, then we have King Magnifico. This, this, I, like, I know we're going to like just keep doing this, but like, there's mm. so like so much of this is just egregious, like self, like fellatio. Like n- they're sucking themselves off. They're sucking themselves off. Yeah, it's so like the Marvel hard. logo. It's like the Marvel logo all over again, which is also but Disney. But it's but it's a whole movie where they're just sucking yeah. themselves off. Yeah, and yeah, you can't make a movie that is just you sucking yourself off, unless you oh no, they want. did, they did. But it's like, this movie. <laughs> it's not good, like but they did it. They could have sucked themselves off better too. Yeah, I think maybe a movie is like Spider-Verse. The Spider-Verse movies are very reverential of the other Spider-Man mm. stuff beforehand, but the fact that they've done something with it and they've used it as part of the story rather than just said, hey, remember this? That's yeah. what makes it good. So let's go to King Magnifico. Uh, is the unambiguous, mm, is he though, villain of the movie, so naturally he'd have nods to other famed Disney villains. Villains. I said villains. This villains? is F. Uh, villains. Villains like <laughs> Mitchell Filo- <is> stupid. <laughs> like Filoni, comma Dave. Dave Filoni. <laughs> the the real villain of, villain of Star the villain of Star Wars. Uh Magnifico is often referred to as a sorcerer. Oh, this is a garbage one. Which is like uh, like Malefic- And in the beginning Asher, yeah, well, also and in the beginning Asher is interviewing to be his apprentice, a sorcerer's apprentice. Right, the sorcerer's just, like, apprentice. Yeah, like sorcerer. Yeah. As Manif- I think Magnifico- we did pick up we, that co- one. we we picked on that, yeah. As Magnifico practices, I think we made the joke that what they should have done is they should have stared directly into camera, said Sorcerer's Apprentice, and then a broom walks behind them. Yeah, I think like, we we said you could, yeah, you could make it more egregious, like Sorcerer's Apprentice, perhaps one of the most if more not the chill. most like yeah. cl- classic Disney like shorts. Yeah, um, just. Like, yeah, it's so well known, and yeah, it's just probably like, one of the most iconographic D- Disney stuff they have, mm. uh, like from that era at least, like from Mickey yeah. Mouse era, like and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, Mickey Mouse era. He's always, as in Mickey Mouse's work. I would say not so much. Yeah. There's other stuff from, that might from the work rival. that Mickey Mouse did in his acting. That's what career. I was trying. Yeah, what Mickey Mouse himself did. Yeah, yeah. Uh, as Magnifico practices his dark magic on some of the towns of like wish towns folks' wishes, you can see a Snow White style poison apple on his desk. It I, there's a really shit PNG right here of it. It's fine, whatever. Uh, when Magnifico destroys some of the village's wishes, the wishes are clearly. Oh, we picked this. We picked this. Yeah. Are clearly inspired by the Little Mermaid. Poor unfortunate souls. Peter Pan. Goodbye, you can buy, you can buy. 
and Mary Poppins. Yeah, that was uh, he, like a, that was particularly that was egregious. Because also Peter Pan is also right at the back end of the movie as well. He's like, because yeah. there's a lady who wants to fly, and, and then, she then Peter Pan the is queen. just there. But he's also not magical. He's just a dude who wants to make a flying machine. So what does that mean? Does that mean that a lot of the Disney movies are like? I don't want to get into this. I don't want to get into this. Anyway, his power, <laughs> his powers show up green as up as green mist, similar to Maleficent. We already said this. I guess that's one of the things we've said is he's clearly a pastiche of Maleficent. Like mm. he just is. Like obviously he's kind of related to every villain in some way. Like you can kind of point to different things. Like that's other villains, but, but like most it's strongly, it's Maleficent. Maleficent is, as as the classic Disney villain. And he doesn't hold a candle to her at all. He's so shit. And then if that wasn't enough Snow White, at one point he also says, mirror, mirror on the wall, possibly one of the most famous Disney villain lines of all time. Magic mirror on the wall. Who is the fairest one of all? I think that's that's become like a, so famous that it's no longer like associated with Disney. In a way. There's even the the movie, not the movie, the, the TV show Mirror Mirror. Yeah, um, it's yeah, yeah. It's it's become so like entrenched in in fairy tale now. Even though it is, I'm from, actually really because I'm really curious. Is Mirror Mirror from the original Snow White, or is I'm it something feel, that they I'm added in sure for the, Disney? The, the, the line like Mirror Mirror on the wall, who's the fairest of them all, is from the movie Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, the 1937, the, the 37, film. yeah, yeah. What's a Disney movie without a few talking animals or plants, as the case may be? Yeah, we had the like mushrooms that I still think should have been Jim Henson mu- mushrooms. <laughs> they should have been puppets. Because I that that because we'll talk about this in a little bit. So uh, remember Simon and animation styles. Remember those two things, okay? Um, the musical number "I'm a Star" is full of singing animals in the style of "Kiss the Girl." From Little Mermaid, I think that's a reach. That mm. one, honestly, that's a reach. I mean, oh, oh, you got a musical number with singing animals. Hmm, it sounds like a Disney film. So on that, on that note, yeah. Um, that's the where we first get introduced to Star as well. Yes. And we both had this issue, but um Star is Sucks. so generic. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. As a that's design. A description. Yep. That not only do they have to explicitly state what it is in the mm-hmm. script so people can understand it's not just a weird floating jelly thing. It, they didn't steal it from Mario. They didn't steal a Luma from Mario. <laughs> but yeah, Mario did it better and did it first. And mm-hmm. my first reaction to seeing Star was, oh, that's a Luma, um, which is really not the thing that you want to be hearing um, given that the Super Mario movie um, came out the, the same year and was much more successful by your, opposite, by your competitor. I think the Super Mario movie cracked a billy, right? I'm fairly sure it cracked a billy. It cracked a billy, yeah. And like that movie, it's fun. It's not like amazing, but it's fun. It's better than this movie. It isn't hard, but still. Uh, you and I, you kind of picked this, but you picked it as a reference, but I don't think you picked the right reference. Uh, when the song is done, a deer says to a bear, thanks for not eating me, John. The bear is little John from Robin Hood. 
Robin Hood and Little John running through the forest. what a day. Oh, from Robin. Yeah, okay. Yeah, you said Brother Bear. Which I think I, is I a Disney movie, though. Yeah. But I don't think there's a bear called John in that movie. But then well, the there D is be. called Bambi. As well. But yeah, that's the next one. John says something even more obvious back to the deer. Don't mention it, Bambi. There are also thumping rabbits, because the rabbit's called Thumper and Bambi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll just I'll just jump out a window. It's fine. Parker Haunt is just around the river bend beyond the shore. May get its own shout out too with sentient trees. We said this. We said this. We said the trees were probably we? a Pocahontas thing. Remember the trees talk because they look kind of, but we said they look really yeah. gross as comparative to the Pocahontas grandma tree. <laughs> um, and a singing raccoon, a nod to Miko. I don't remember Pocahontas enough to. Pocahontas does have a singing raccoon. Okay. There's and also in a fact, squir- it's like it's the it's the um, Miku is the is the Mushu of Pocahontas. Gotcha, gotcha, but gotcha, like, gotcha. Obviously, Mushu much is more better because Eddie Murphy slightly and less racist. racist. Basically, just donkey. Um, because it's the same slightly, guy, slightly yeah. less racist. Only ever so. Only ever so. There's also a squirrel in that number that looks an awful lot like the ones from The Sword in the Stone. Left and right, day and night. That's what makes the world go round. Sure. Um, I don't know that movie well enough to really talk about it. This is a long one. When explaining how the universe is all made up of the same elements, the animals sing, we eat the leaves and they eat the sun. And Valentino, the baritone goat sidekick, responds, see, that's where all the balls of gas come from. That recalls Pumbaa from The Lion King. Hakuna Matata, what a wonderful phrase. And how he always thought stars were balls of gas burning millions of miles away. When he was a young warthog. When I was a young warthog. Very nice. Thanks. They said mize away. I think they left out an L. The fact that they do a close-up of Valentino's butt when he sings might also be a nod to Puma's famous flatulence. Hakuna Matata, Valentino. Um, I'll give it to them. Sure. They can have it. I, I don't really like, care on that one. Uh, like, And I have a bias, I think. But I think Alan Tudyk's voice work might be the best part of this film. It's just Clayface from Harley Quinn, though. <laughs> oh my god, it's Lady Gaga! It, it is just Clayface from Harley Quinn, but I f- still think it's fun, and I think it it's is good. a real... I think it's a fun voice, and I think the script he had was a bit Not lackluster, good. but I think yeah. he, given what he had, um, it was a really good performance. I just think it's really funny that he played the chicken from Rowana. As well, which has no voice lines. It's just chicken noises. That's very funny. But anyway, also, I just want to, like, it's Lady Gaga! Lady Gaga! <laughs> if you haven't seen Harley Quinn, you won't get that reference. Uh, I, I, I have. I'm not talking about you. Talking to the audience. It's not all about you. I know you've seen it. <laughs> Singing birds and mice. Straight up Cinderella. And the flowers that accompany them are very Alice in Wonderland. Bobby. 
very, very advantageous to me. To who? To me. Oh, yeah. We said this, I think. I think you said this, actually, not we, you. <laughs> I, I said they should have done more with the, like, wand and the, like, whole big apple thing was sort of, like, reminiscent of Alice in Wonderland as well. Yeah, um, which I don't know if that's the case, but yeah, sure. Uh, Valentino mentions that he dreams of a utopian metropolis where all mammals oh, are equal and yeah, wear clothes. That is that utopia. We I said, think we just we looked said, at each other in the cinema and just sighed. Yeah, because like again, we were exhausted. <laughs> it was like on the same level as the the wishes that he pops that are. Uh, he just basically states like, "This one's Peter Pan, and this one's Mary Poppins," and it's like, mm-hmm. uh, oh, okay, that's not a yeah. classic. That's not that's that's like made in the last five years, I think. It's like it's like if they referenced um. What what movie did they put out last year? I don't know. Um, Elemental. Yeah, it's like they referenced oh, Elemental. That's Pixar, though. <laughs> but still, we like if they referenced it though. It'd be like a that's Pixar. B that was that came out this year. <laughs> yeah. Uh, when Asha looks at a clutch of sentient mushrooms, she calls it crazy, and they respond, "We love crazy." A classic line from Frozen. And it's nothing like I've ever known before. Which I don't know that well. I think it was the trolls in Frozen. I think it's the, the trolls, but I've seen that movie like maybe twice, and it was a long time, like when it came out. Cool. I'm gonna just do this last section because there's a couple more. I'm gonna do this last section, which is which is a bit long, but so I'll try and run through it. Uh, this is just Easter eggs confirmed by the filmmaker, so this is definite Easter eggs that are in the film. Okay. Co-director Fawn told Direct about how the references would come about organically, saying things like, there are some cups in the sink, can one of them be chipped? The chipped cup, a nod to Beauty and the Beast. Taylor's oldest time. Made it into the final movie. Yeah. I'm sure we would have seen it if we were looking for it, but Beauty yeah. and the Beast. Uh, Grisilda Sestrowinata Lemai, the film's production and costume designer, tells The Hollywood Reporter that Star has a unique design. We've both described that it does not. Star's face shape is a heart, which is also inspired by the face of Mickey Mouse, she says. Uh, which is sure. a sim- I don't think so, but sure. I don't know if I agree with that. <laughs> if it's a heart shape, then it's a heart shape. It's not a Mickey Mouse shape. Because no, uh, Mickey Mouse the- is heart shaped. Yeah, don't, sure, don't but that means remember, it's heart don't, shape. Don't you remember that from Steamboat Willie? Oh, so true, King. Uh, in the same interview, uh, the person I just said, whose name I'm not going to try again, mentions the way Star doesn't talk and uses magic dust just like Tinkerbell. I don't think we caught that, and that's interesting. Uh, Chris Buck, another co-director, told the LA Times about Asha's skills as an animator. Not only does she make a flip, we saw this. Not only does she make a flip book out of the pages of her sketchpad, yeah. she includes a timing chart which animators use for breaking down the numbers of drawings and motion will take. We saw this. Yeah, yeah I you, think you led over to me and said, "Did you see that? Did you see that?" And I said, "Yes, Max, I did see that." Now be quiet. The kids behind us are getting irritated. <laughs> Uh, producer Juan Pablo Rios Lancaster Jones tells MovieWeb the Easter egg that gives him the most joy. One of my favorite ones is Star having a Mickey mask. That's the same one. You just, they just did the same one twice. That's not, this is 39 at best then. Th- 39. <laughs> they just, whatever. 
This one is a deep cut for people with filmmaking knowledge. So you and me, baby. It's you and me, Max. It's no secret that the look of Wish was inspired by Sleeping Beauty. I know you. I walked with you once upon a dream. I did not know that. With the watercolor-like effect to the animation. But Buck tells Entertainment... Fuck, Entertainment Weekly, that Sleeping Beauty also affected the shape of Wish. Wish uses a 255-1 aspect ratio, which Disney hasn't used since Sleeping Beauty. It's a wider screen, Buck explains, so it just has that epic feel to it, and the story does too. I didn't pick that up. I didn't pick it up either. I will give them on that one. That's cute. I like that. Uh, Oscar-winning actress Ariana DeBussy. The who does the voice? Who does the voice of Asha? Tells Yahoo that there is a reference to Atlantis in there somewhere. Where the dream takes you. If you can find the Atlantis reference, hey ho, hey yo, she says, I have not found the Atlantis reference. That's in um, parentheses after that. Uh, um, I have not I watched think- Atlantis enough times to be able to pick out an Atlantis reference. Yeah. Uh, and then I, the rest is just like there's Mickey ears here, there's Mickey ears there, there's yeah. Mickey ears somewhere else. Um, of course, especially like because. So the two things I wanted to talk about was Simon and the style, s- animation style. I, I've got I've got one more after that. Okay, so I just want to quickly talk about the animation style because you and I walked out of this saying this looks like shit. Um, this is a garbage looking film and we said that what it looks like is like it rendered badly specifically the what what I described it as was there's those old Hanna-Barbera um, like Scooby-Doo or uh, other ones Jeff Jefferson's Flintstones where the there'll Jetsons, be a brick not the Jeffersons what did I say Jeffersons oh, you said fuck. the Jeffersons oops I meant Jetsons I beg your pardon uh, but well, there'll, there'll be like maybe a brick in a wall or a button in a panel or something. And it's the one thing that's obviously meant to move or be designed to like be animated. And it'll obviously it'll be the one thing that looks completely different. because The rest of it will be like a painting or like a or pre-drawn picture of some sort. And that's what the characters look like on the settings of this film. And you and I said that a lot of the landscape shots actually look quite nice. But when you throw a moving character in front of it, it looks really shit. And I also kind of thought about it. And I think they move way too smoothly for the style they're going for. It's like, it just feels like they've been, it's like when Peter Jackson put too many frames into The Hobbit, it feels the exact same. It, it gives me a very similar feeling to the opening to um, Star Wars Episode 3. I know that sounds a bit weird, but... Um, I know exactly I, what you're talking about. <laughs> I really love the first shot of Star Wars Episode Three, um, and then we see Anakin Skywalker, and immediately you go, "Oh my god, that's CG! I hate it." Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like, yeah, that that's the problem here is you have these really like quite nice backgrounds, and um, in in a the watercolor style that we haven't seen in a Disney film for a really, really long time. And it was really nice that they went back and um, treated it that way. But what they've done with the characters is they've attempted to emulate that style while still um, trying to have them as like three-dimensional objects moving through space, but also sort of cell shaded, but also sort of like drawn. And as a result, it gets kind of messy and it feels too distinct from the backdrop and there's a couple of yep. scenes there's a couple of shots rather where it 
works a lot better and you can see mm-hmm. more detail in the way that they've gone about this and the like the style of that sort of cell shading that um is characteristic of earlier Disney and like sometimes it works and normally it's that sort of much closer tighter shots of characters faces and things like that but on wider shots where um, we have characters moving around. You get this like artificial smoothness because you have um, a CG animated character without any sort of like human error to it. And you have that with a sort of mix of styles that doesn't make sense to us stylistically because it's not it's not what it was but it's not what we've become used to either. And Mm. it's unfortunately just didn't sit well with me. Um, As a result, I found a lot of the time, like the lighting felt really harsh. It felt, um, yeah, like the, the brick in the wall of, of the Scooby-Doo cartoon that, um, you know, is going to move. And um, as I think, yeah, it just really takes a lot out of the movie because, you know, had um, that been a different approach, and I don't know enough, um, like technically about rendering or particles or lighting or whatever, um, yeah, to be able to like definitively say this is the answer. And realistically, I don't think there will be a catch-all answer. But um, it felt very much like they knew they needed to get this film out for um, the hundredth anniversary and they knew mm-hmm. that the latest release date they possibly could have would be boxing day and mm-hmm. um whatever they had they had um and would this have been any other movie would this have been a different studio there's a good chance that they would have gone back and redone that um and reevaluated the look of that because you compare that to any other disney movie even like Silver Age where they're like photocopying um, frames to be able to like reduce the amount of manual labor, there's less of that distinct stylistic difference between background and character. And yeah, it, it just is a really sore point for this movie, I think. I think I actually have a bit of a fix for the issue here. Um, not a not a, not a uh, technical fix, but like a, a stylistic fix. And I told, and, and it ties into what you said about making the mushrooms a Jim Henson puppet. I think what they should have done was they should have just thrown in a shit ton of different animation styles that they've used over the years. And obviously, like they've kept a similar art style, and you can see a running art style theme, but like the actual style they've gone about it. So, you know, I've, I think they should have put some rotoscoping in there just for the shits and giggles of it. I think they should have animated star as uh, a 2d um, creature, much like, much like the um, rabbits and other woodland creatures in snow white or Tinkerbell, as they've mentioned before that, that, that Tinkerbell apparently was kind of based, uh, sorry, star was kind of based off Tinkerbell and stuff like that. I think, they should have just gone ham and done Spider-Verse. They should have done the Disney version of Spider-Verse mm. and just thrown in a bunch of different anima- animation styles, which would come with a greater emotional baggage than Spider-Verse would, because Spider-Verse has to create a bunch of different styles for the different characters. You have inbuilt nostalgia 
on all these styles that you have, Disney, what are you doing? I mean, you said the problem is that they want to look like they're still running the show and they're hmm. still leading by they're still leading the charge into what the next style of animation will be. And therefore, if they did what I want them to do, it would look like they're caving to other studios because other studios have realized that what Spider-Verse did was brilliant. And hmm. you look look at fucking DreamWorks, they made the coolest one of my favorite movies of all time. Puss in Boots, The Lost Wish, which has no right to be nearly as good as it is, and yet it is one of the coolest movies of all time. Disney can't handle not being the ones who created a trend. Therefore, they're not going to do it. Therefore, they shot themselves in the foot with a garbage-ass looking film instead of they had... They they could have been the best of all of it. If there's one fucking animation studio that could have made that style work, which we know it does because we've seen other versions of it before... It's Disney. Infinite money, every single freaking thing they could want at their fingertips, Disney. Oh, it this is their hundredth anniversary. This this is what they did. <laughs> they made garbage. It's uh, it's actually really upsetting. Like uh, it like, is. It's, it's it's like I know Disney exists as like this media monopoly now, and it's this like evil sort of like corporate entity and uh that's sort of the what we've been given is we've been given this um what you would expect from a corporation to turn around and go like oh you you remember these things here have have Mm -hmm. my approximation here's here's that what the ai spat out as an approximation of of the last hundred years of our work whereas the like emotional connection that people have to Disney is a real, like a really very real one, and it's multi generational, and it's something that at the very least Disney could have capitalized on, and mm-hmm. it is really upsetting to see um, a company with such a storied history, with such a like massive body of work and within that body of work some really really excellent films just like not just like some like a shit ton of really good what's what's the word iconic Mm. films yeah so i didn't yeah sorry please continue though yeah you the what we get is this is this almost metallic um Mm -hmm. like Plastic even. Yeah. Um, film that just doesn't feel like there's the heart in it that we're kind of expecting. And I know it's a big ask that the hundredth anniversary film for Disney is a amazing blow blow us out of the water affair, but it really just feels like they weren't close to that. Um, let alone Where's where's the dream? that my heart is wishing for in this film. Where is it? I can't see it. All I can see is corporate sludge. I made a joke in my letterbox review. I don't know if, did you see my letterbox review for this? I will have, but like a week ago. Yeah, I made a, my joke in that, because I make jokes and everything, was basically I, I wrote a recipe on how to make a wish. My recipe was take 100 years of Disney magic, throw in a blender, blend till fine paste, throw in poor poor storytelling, shit animation, and corporate sludge, bone apple teeth. 
and I stand by every word I just said. I, it's a, it's a vomit. It's a, it's a, just a, the, the beast that is Disney, corporate Disney, waltzed into a cinema, held out a reel of film, un, untouched, hasn't been ed- anything yet, vomited onto it, all that it thought, all that the AI told it it should put on there. And then handed it to Mr. Hoyts and Mr. Village and whatever they do in America. I don't know American brands. A- AMC. AMC. There we go. And Mr. AMC. And and they were like, uh, do we do we have to show this? And then Disney like stared straight into their souls. And, you know, because there's that thing of like Disney forces you to run a certain amount of times the film a certain amount of times. Otherwise, they won't give you the other ones and you'll lose money as a as a business. And they said into their soul and they went, oh, yeah, okay, Mr. Mr. Corporate Disney, I'll, I'll take this. And then they waltzed off and showed it to a bunch of kids who unfortunately don't know better, but deserved better. But I feel like even, even then, like the recent classics that we've had, I'm like, mostly I'm thinking of the smash success that Frozen was. Let it go, let it go. Can't hold it back anymore. Mm-hmm. Is so many levels above what this movie is. I I didn't enjoy watching Frozen as a kid. I, I don't like Frozen. I was overexposed to it and I found yep. the songs annoying and irritating. Yep. It's a thousand times better than this movie. I would take it every single time over this. <laughs> yeah, um, and I totally it's just, agree. It's, I feel like this movie is just not going to have the same staying power that a movie like that it had or a movie like The Lion King had. Or a movie like Snow White had. Because it's just monotonous and dull, uninteresting, and everything that it feels like everything that we should be expected to like almost. Yeah. It's like, it's like when a, a, a relative of yours hasn't seen you in a while but they're coming to your birthday party and they remember vaguely that you liked um, dinosaurs as a kid. And so they get you a Brontosaurus, but you actually liked Tyrannosaurus Rexes. It feels like that. Speaking of of someone ripping the soul out of something, did you want to talk about Simon? I want to talk about Simon. Uh, I do. I was, I was, I was, that was in the back of my mind. Thank you for reminding me, but I do actually want to talk about Simon. Simon really depresses me in how he's characterized in this film as well. By the way, he's played by Evan Peters, which I did not realize until reading the IMDb just then, um, which is crazy. But yeah, so, so Simon is an issued character, not only because of what he is designed to be in the plot, but also how his story resolves. He is one of the friends that Asha has in the... Um, he's one of the seven friends I mentioned before. He's the sleepy one. And the reason why he's the sleepy one is because he turned 18 and therefore his wish was taken by the king for safekeeping, safekeeping in quotation mark. Therefore, he is now sleepy and like, and it's heavily super duper ultra implied by them basically just saying it to our face. I don't know why I'm saying implied. They just say it, uh, that he used to be not like this. He wasn't sleepy. We don't know what he was like because we never see it, but he wasn't sleepy. He wasn't tired. He wasn't. Uh, dull and all yeah, that. We we explicitly get told in yes. dialogue by a character, um, characters that by yes by characters that this this character 
um, Simon Sleepy was not this character before um, the wish ceremony. And, and like, part of that is meant to be setting up the wish wish keeping system as potentially um not uh, epic yeah potentially uh problematic but i'm like again i i was saying this to you when we walked out it's there's so many ways that you could reimagine this or retell this story so that we both see a before and after where mm-hmm. instead of being told things it's a it's the classic story of the classic classic storytelling oh, exactly um, mantra of sure don't tell there um, it is and it, it it's it's really simple things like that and i think feel like simon is really just a character where that is like the lack of just fundamentals almost it just is really apparent it it's like it was written by a child kind mm. of like oh there's also this character who's Anyway, that's not so. That that's part of the issue I have. The, the I have is that he could have been utilized in such an interesting way to make Magnifico in turn more interesting, and like the turn to evil that he has more interesting. It all works into itself. The biggest issue I have with him, though, and is the biggest issue I have is that he it, he sells Asher out halfway through the film um, because she has Star, and Magnifico is looking for Star. And he tells Magnifico that Asha has him in exchange for his wish back because he no longer wants to be basically, it's not said in the film, but he's basically depressed and he's basically like really crippling depressed. The the character exhibits signs, exhibits symptoms of depression, but like serious depression. Disney won't tell you that the character's depressed because that would be un-Disney-like. Which is kind of fine. This is a kid's film. You can allude to it, but not specifically say it. But for all intents and purposes, this character is depressed and he f- sees a way to no longer be depressed. And while what he did not correct, I think the film unjustifiably villainizes the fuck out of him for trying to like find a basically a will to live again Mm. (laughs) and he sees a way to do it and and i as mentioned i understand what he did was wrong and i understand that it's meant to be incorrect and i totally think it should be viewed in that manner but i think it should be viewed in a way of like simon was just really looking for a way to get through not feeling as shit as he currently as he obviously does (laughs) it's 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 i think it comes back to this idea that like there's too much complexity without enough explanation. Exactly. Um, if you look at early classic Disney movies, if you look at films like Snow White, there's not a whole lot going on. There's mm-hmm. not a lot of plot elements that you can pick holes in because there's not a lot of plot elements. And then when you look at later films, um, the ones that are successful typically have tight, succinct plots with characters who are well thought out and don't imply things that they're not meant to. Mm-hmm. And when you have things like twist villains, they're much more satisfying than the sort of troubled, potentially good, potentially not characters that we get here where, with Magnifico and with Simon, where he mm-hmm. becomes a twist villain, but 
does so in sort of a circumstance that doesn't feel it's not like by his own part, volition, of, part, part of my pun maleficent <laughs> damn it damn it <laughs> but when you look at characters like hans from frozen for instance i mean it's crazy what? we finish each other's sandwiches that's what i was gonna say going back to mm. that we get much more interesting looks at um a duplicitous character um at a character who's intent is clear but can still be an interesting twist villain and yeah yeah simon is definitely a character that feels like it was underthought, and as a result they've accidentally implied this sort of yeah depression onto onto him and then as a result almost yeah villainized that and that's a really problem like i think we both agree that's a problematic stance to take it as, is um like as a major film company. It's the same problem we have with the fact that a, a man who's clearly scarred from trauma is left to rot in the dungeon without any hope for rehabilitation. And it's it's not the fact I think it's not the fact that he that the evil guy shouldn't be punished. I think it's the fact that they've added in complexities that they haven't addressed. If yeah. they had just if they, for instance, had made the made Magnifico act in a way that wasn't related to his previous the the, the tragedy that he's full, yeah. If if it wasn't related to that, and it was maybe just because of his life experience, or if they revealed that actually he was lying the whole time, then I feel like we would feel more like clearly about what we're meant to feel about the character rather than these really mixed and conflicting ideas because the character's not developed. Because it feels, I felt kind of a bit grotty that he got treated so harshly at the end of the, I don't know, did you feel at all like I, that? Or? I, I absolutely feel like that because we also yeah. have um, his wife, the queen, dealt, like stabbing him in the back as soon as possible for no apparent reason. She... Um, knows he's gone evil because of she sees him go the evil. Magics, yeah. But when she discovers there is no cure for being evil, um, she just gives up. It's pretty. It's a. It's such a quick line slash. It's such a quick. Oh, guess that's it. Like they're looking in the book that looking in the evil magic book, and they're like, oh, this evil magic book definitely will just. Tell us everything we need to know, and it won't be anywhere else. Like, <sighs> sorry, I did interrupt you. I beg your pardon. No, but it's it's just there's no reason. It didn't make sense that they put that in as a point, but didn't. But then when oh, actually, no, we're not doing that. It, it, it felt a bit like, um, like again. I think this is going back to basics. It's don't say no. Yeah, I, I know it's not improv, but don't say no. Like yes, and where's where's the solution how why um how can we solve his corruption do mm. we have to like is it something completely outlandish and impossible is it something that isn't within the scope of the film i think that even that would be better than oh well there's nothing fuck him i guess he's evil forever now yeah fuck him i also I hate I... him and he can go in the dungeon now 
Because yeah, I lived with I lived with him I, for like years. I lived and loved and built this kingdom with him. Elson, he's stinky and can go in the dungeon with the stinky he's now. He's so dude. He's so stinky. Like, dude, dude. Do you know how much green smoke stinks? Like a lot. It's the like a, it's like a sulfuric smell. Sulfur. Like bad egg. Bad eggs. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I want to talk about the music. Oh, actually, that's a good point. I was, I was about to say, I think we're done, but you're quite correct. We need no, to talk about I the music. I want to talk about the music because <laughs> Disney we film do. is not a Disney film without Disney songs. And you're so correct. I think there were, I, I know music taste is like something that varies a lot. I think perhaps more so than film taste to a degree, but I did not like a lot of the songs in this movie. I think I found myself enjoying one and almost getting used to a, another. I know obviously it's not your like preferred method of storytelling, but I just, I don't know. What were your thoughts on, on the, the music in this film as, as a reflection on the, the expansive history of classic Disney songs and Disney themes um, that have permeated social culture so much nigh on a century (laughs) for night for nigh on a century but for like introducing feature-length animation to Mm. hollywood with a musical for um writing some of the most iconic and well-recognized songs in the last 50 years um Mm. yes for you know we're playing bits of um the like what Disney allowed for, like Disney allowed for sound to be sync. Well, Disney pushed for the uh, synchronization of sound and picture um, mm. in animation, and um, has this like storied and influential history with music and sound. What's your thoughts? I think I've made mine pretty clear. <laughs> So I'm going to help you get to the point that I think both of us want to just kind of like straight up just say, which is, I like Encanto. Yo. We don't talk about Bruno, no, no, no. Why isn't Lin-Manuel Miranda involved in this production? Um, that Which is pretty much what we talked a lot about in... The, the, unfortunately for you guys, as mentioned, we usually don't talk about the movie after we see it. This time we did, so now we're referencing back to a conversation we already had. But yeah, basically, why wasn't Lin-Manuel Miranda brought back to write these songs when they obviously wanted him to be there? I doubt he would say no. Like, what else is he going to do? It's Disney. He loves Disney. He wrote Encanter. Encanter is sick. I freaking love Encanter. He wrote Moana. He wrote the songs from Moana as well. What can I say except you're welcome? For the tides, the sun, the sky. Moana is also good. I've only seen Moana once, though, so I can't like really say I love it that much. But Encanto, I've seen about two to three times. Yeah. And I, I really like Encanto. I really like Encanto. I, yeah, it's definitely one of my favorite recent Disney films. Um, it's probably the best recent Disney film they've done. Like within the yeah. past three or so, three to five years, it's probably the best thing they've put out in their animation sector, at least. Like, obviously, there's other. I'd include Pixar in that too, honestly. I don't think Pixar's been doing a very good job, but that's kind of well, they irrelevant. Did, they did um, Inside Out. When was that? 
Who's the best in every way and wants to sing a song to say? Who's your friend who likes to play? Bing bong, bing bong. That was not, that was, dude, that was like 2015, I'm pretty sure, which is like seven years ago, eight years ago, seven years, seven years ago, nine uh, years ago. They had, Turning Red was fun. You never know, oh my, mind, oh my, oh my. But it, yeah, I think in concert, It does not reach the high, like, it does not, not reach the high that, that other yeah, Pixar no, movies I'm, have. Yeah, I'm just having a look yeah. at like just the last- Five years, Toy Story Four, Onward, Soul, Luca, Turning Red, Lightyear, and Elemental. Just some of them are good, some of them are, were flops, and sure, um, some of them are fucking Toy Story, uh, not Toy Story, Lightyear, which is one of the most depressing things I've ever seen in my life. Which should not be in a Lightyear movie. It's like Interstellar. They made Kid <laughs> Interstellar. <laughs> um, I don't why, but yeah, it really felt like the music was trying to sound like Lin-Manuel Miranda and 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 obviously like he's had a lot of influence on like the musical animated feature would we um, just say like music to- musicals overall recently well, yeah, is that like musicals overall yeah yeah but, um there's a reason why everyone hates him for some reason I don't really know why but they just do um but you know he, he worked on Moana which had a really um well-received soundtrack. He worked on Encanto, which had a really well-received soundtrack. Mm-hmm. And it feels, yeah, it feels like they wanted to get him in for this film, film as well, um, but got someone who could kind of do it in a similar style. Um, and to the same- May I? Uh, and, <laughs> and, to the, and to the same effect, I feel like um, they almost went the same with um, Phil Collins, who did the iconic soundtrack for Tarzan. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, they sort of went, oh, well, he's a little bit too old now. We'll get someone else who can who can what do are you talking sort about? of a similar Too thing. Old? He's only seventy five. George Miller made Mad Max at seventy five. He's fine to go. He's ready and revving. Freaking John Carpenter is making the sickest music he's ever made, and he's like a hundred and three. Like, what are they on about? I know. Obviously, it's like it's you saying it. It's not really Disney said this, but yeah. I'm assuming. I I'm yeah. assuming this is what Disney said, basically. Um. And it's just yeah, I, I, there were the the one song that really I I liked, and I liked this number was the number where they um are um cooking up their like rebel plot pretty much. Um, yeah. And it felt very much in the style of um, and I've totally forgot the name of this song as well, but the song that um the villain in uh Princess and the Frog does. You're in my world now, not your world. Friends on the other side. With the shadow, um, are you ready? Like that one? Um, I think oh, no, so. I, that one. I can't remember. Um, it's been a long time since I saw that film. Um, shake but, my hand. Won't you shake a porcelain yeah, yeah, hand? Yeah. 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 Um, Sorry, I'll stop. And it, yeah, it sort of felt like they were riffing on that a bit, which I liked um, because mm. I think that's a really great musical number from Princess and the Frog. And is that the sorry to interrupt? That's the last like two D. That was their animation. last two D yeah. feature. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think yeah, maybe it was a nostalgia for that, but I feel like that was probably the strongest. I song. remember liking it. Oh, sorry. This, I think I think meant the <laughs> movie. I like the movie. Is what I was going to say. Um, no, uh, the the um. I feel like that musical number was probably the strongest 
for mm. me at least. And um, the other one is is this um the main theme that they've they've um been pushing in in some of the trailers and um heard it around cool. the place on um the airwaves. So like I look, uh, so I look up at the stars to yeah, guide me. Uh, that one, yeah. I look up yeah. at the stars to guide me. That's the two songs I was thinking of as well. Yeah, that's the two songs. Yeah, it's it's got that earworm vibe to it, but whether it's good or not, it's a different story. But yeah, basically, they definitely wanted Lin Manuel Miranda in, and they should have just got him and Phil Collins in, and they would have made a sick soundtrack. But they didn't. They made garbage, just like the rest of this film. The performances in this film are fine, by the way. Like they sound that up to the scratch that you would hope really good performances, like voice performances, are. They, I mean, Chris Pine is obviously more of a movie star than a voice actor, but I think he's got the chops for that one thing. I was just voice acting. Uh, <laughs> uh, he's not like Chris Pratt, and he's once again proven why he's the best Chris, uh, as mentioned by Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: Mutant Mayhem. I. Yeah, I mean, like, I think the voice acting, like, for me, the standout with Alan Tudyk as, um, yes, uh, Valentino, the goat, Valentino, yeah. um, because I, I feel like a lot of the other characters, especially, um, Chris Pine as, as Magnifico, just, yeah, almost felt like they could have been a little bit more and like just a little bit more dramatic. We have, again, like these allusions to these really, um, fantastic classic villains um, mm. like Maleficent. Um, the voice work in the in those films is fantastic. The voice work yep. we were talking about in Snow White um, is uh, uh, of the Evil Queen is fantastic. The voice work yep. of someone um, like Ursula comes to mind um, yeah. from The Little Mermaid, and um, you have these classic villains with these really iconic, um, strong voices. And I don't know, I felt Magnifico kind of fell a bit flat. I do agree. I think the reason why I'm saying the performances themselves is fine is because I want to attribute that to poor directing rather than poor acting. Uh, just because so many other parts of this film fall flat in their direction. I just, it's easy to assume that the directors fumbled that part as well, basically. That's that's why I want to believe that none of the voice actors in this were the yeah. issue. I think it's a scripting issue. I think the script was garbage. And I think how they were told to deliver the lines was probably also not brilliant. Because I know Chris Pine is a really good actor. And I know, I don't really know anyone else really in this movie. I don't know the main actress. She's apparently an Oscar winner, but I don't recognize her. Um, that's not to say much. I don't really pay attention to the Oscars unless it's something I know won and I wanted it to win. Um, I'm a dickhead. I know. Anyway, point is, I think it's more of a problem with direction than it is a problem with um, actual performance, especially if everyone's having the same issue. It feels like it's a probably a direction problem rather than anything else. Yeah. I wonder how much of this, of our criticism is because of um, the ongoing like issues that are prevalent in the VFX and animation industry of, of um, yeah. overwork coinciding with um, the sag after strikes um, and how much Disney was willing to do 
um, to get this film out because they knew they needed to get this film out uh, last year or yeah in 2023. Um, yeah, should have waited a year, made it 101, beat a bit different. And then do 101 Dalmatians. Cruella de Vil, Cruella de Vil. If she doesn't scare you, no evil thing will. It would have been perfect. Anyway, um, I'm done. I'm exhausted. This is the longest episode we've recorded. I think so. Um, I'm glad I'm not the one editing it. <laughs> um, do you want to do some scores? Yeah, I'll, I'm giving it one and a half, which is the amount of songs I enjoyed in this movie. <laughs> the same ones you mentioned, by the way. <laughs> it's the same ones. <laughs> I gave it, uh, I gave Wish two times the story felt on track and a slight misstep, but I'll forgive out of five. What was the misstep? Um, was that too hard a question? <laughs> I, I was sort of doing it for emphasis, but probably Simon. Yeah, I mean, look, I can forgive. It, it feels like he's uh, he's the same problem as Magnifico, and it's just the fact that it happened twice is really what gets me. Mm. Um, if it had just been Simon or uh, Magnifico, either way would have been bad if it just been Magnifico. But if it just been Simon, I would have been fine. Like, I don't think I would have paid as much attention to it as I otherwise would have. But it just since two characters in those who are clearly suffering were given just these absolute villainous arcs and Simon barely got given redemption, mm. which was something I was thinking. I was like, if he doesn't get redeemed at the end of this, we're screwed. Like this movie's fucked. Luckily he does, but it's in such a roundabout way that I'm still not happy with it, but it's better than if he'd got nothing. Hey Mitch, you know what time it is? What time is it? Fan mail. Hey, do we have any? We actually do. <gasps> is it from someone we know or is it from someone we don't know? It's from someone we know. Ah, what a twist. Um, this one is titled Letterboxd. Letterboxd. Ad- adding TV shows. Oh, uh, yeah. This is something I've thought about as well. Hey, Block Boys. Mm. Since Letterboxd is like the unofficial sponsor of the show. Pretty much. What do you think about Letterboxd expanding to include TV shows later this year? Mm. Are you purists? 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 There we go. Thank you. for it. Mr. Manager. Hmm. Uh, look, I definitely would have preferred if it was just movies. I feel if you, they could have maybe done a different, they could, they could have done like a separate app for TV shows. I think the issue I have is kind of like, are we going to have to like log every single episode as well? Like, how is this really going to work? Um, the other issue I have is that they've already had limited series on here for like ages. Like they had the, all the Marvel shows are already on um, some like, like some like serious drama shows. I think big little lies, I think on there. And it's yeah. Point is at least they're now going all in, I think, because they've already, they were, they're already tipping their toes in. So it's like now they're at least doing the whole thing. I yeah. prefer them to do do it all than not, but I think I would have preferred if it was just movies. Um, I have been on and off with an app that's sort of similar called Marathon, um, mm. which is like, yeah, similar for similar, similar to Letterboxd, but for television. And yeah. it sort of does the things that you'd expect it to. And I've had a sort of love hate relationship with it. It's a little bit clunky. <laughs> Um, but it does mostly what I want it to do. It's yeah. like 
I think what worked really well for Letterboxd was it was just smooth and it worked all the time, except for that one day that it was down. Um, <laughs> that happens a lot, actually. Um, it didn't used to happen a lot. <laughs> I think um, they're just like not, they weren't expecting it to get as popular as it was. And so they weren't ready for that much traffic. Yeah. I feel like that's kind of what um, happened. And I think only recently marathons had a similar level of polish to Letterboxd, but I've for a while wanted to, wanted sort of a similar thing because I like mm. logging things. Dude, um, logging things is so, it's, it's so, so nice. Fun. Oh. And I get to show up, like, look at all the TV I watch and someone goes, like, people get to go like, don't you like have hobbies? And I'm like, yeah, I- It's TV. On the television. I get to um, do that too. I get to show people all the movies I watch and then they go, how do you feel? And I say, unhappy. And then we continue on with the conversation. <laughs> um, but yeah, I agree. I've sort of been annoyed by the limited series being there without sort of like proper support for them. So I think I'll yeah. enjoy them having- a little bit better ongoing support. Especially since like with the show, they do this weird thing where certain shows, even if they're sh- like, I don't even know how they decided, but some shows just have each individual episode acting as its own film. Like I think mm-hmm. at least the last season of black mirror, each episode yeah, was just its black own mirror thing. Does it. And I know they're like, yeah, movie length episodes, but I think still it's, it's a bit part like, of a show. Well, it's a show. Let's go further. I think all of Love, Death, and Robots' episodes are all individual. I think mm-hmm. every single one. And some of those are, the longest they get is like 30 minutes at best, and the shortest are like five. So what are we doing here? Letterboxd, get your shit together. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a question of whether you want to call it an anthology series or a collection mm-hmm. of short films. That's true. It's an anthology series. That's how it's presented, at least. Yeah. I, that's how they want you to, because it's underneath the same banner, which would therefore mm-hmm. mean... Anyway, um, um, I got one yeah. more piece oh of my fan goodness, mail. More. Oh my I goodness! Is this from this someone This one's we know titled one? "Max and Mitchell Kiss." <gasps> I think I know who sent this. <laughs> Just from the title, it reads, "Don't worry, guys. I'm not going to get in the way of your steaming sexual chemistry anymore. Please go uh, ahead and kiss all you want, Max's partner." Wait, did we? Oh, okay. It kind of threw me for a loop there because I wasn't expecting um, Mr. Manager to write in twice. Uh, um, what are you talking about? This is two different people. Right. It's Mr. Manager and your partner who are two people we've definitely never confirmed to be the same person yeah. ever. Not even that one time I ran a flashback to when we confirmed it. Um, um, can we right now? Kiss? I think I went too early. Yeah, but on me, I did. I followed you. (laughs) What go too early? Yeah, you need that Robo dick that that Robo Max has. Yeah, is that our running gag now? (laughs) Is that what we've become? The the running gag is just your penis. It's just your penis. This has been the Blockbusted Podcast. I've been Centennial Mitch. And I've been Millennial Max. Oh, Millennial Max. <laughs> yeah, it was like it was like a rhyming thing, but I also know that like a millenn- millennium is like is a, long a thousand time. years. Yeah, but I thought like millennial as in you, you were born maybe a few years before you actually were. <laughs> yeah, I mean like that that was also part of the joke. 
Yeah. Okay. I think so. It was Millennium at the, and whatever. Uh, you can send us questions, reviews, and warranted hate mail, just like the ones we've just received, at blockbustedpotty at gmail.com. That's potty, spelled P O D D I E. You can also find us on the app formerly known as Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at the username BBPotty. This week, when you're something that's my boat monkey moose's cruise ship (laughs) we've been sued by multiple people because we keep sinking like the titanic (laughs) we keep hitting into goofy's big butt (laughs) i mean goffy goffy's goffy's big butt (laughs) goffy's big butt and there's Daniel the Dick. <laughs> oh, that really hurt my throat. <laughs>